Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman time. Hey, like Roy Jones said, I said, y'all must have forgot. And I see you media people as well with your little clickbait headlines. But trust me, I have to make y'all remember why we the best. I saw some criticism. People say the punches weren't really necessary. What do you mean, why were they not necessary? Because he was already knocked out at that point. But the referee hadn't pulled me off. And my job is to hit somebody till the referee pulls me off. So to those people, I would say, maybe don't watch him and may go back to soccer. How good does it feel to be better? You know what I mean? I'm very proud of that accomplishment. The UFC, they can strip fires and give to the fires, make believe bells in order to replicate my champ champ status. But they can't give knockout victories across multiple weight divisions. It's my name in history one more time. WFAN and Radio.com. I'm on the West Coast side. Mike Tyson should have been here anyway. He's the baddest man on the planet, right? He should have been the one. He should have been the one over here. Uh, I'm over here on the rock, huh? <laughs> you guys caught me under under a bad bad time, but you know what I'm saying? The rock's cool. I like ballers. I like ballers. You know what I'm saying? But he picked the wrong side. He picked another side, so he could get it, too. He could get his ass whipped, too. Straight up. With all due respect, he could get it too. I definitely want to defend my 145 belt. And let's see, I'm going to talk to Dana. Dana, tomorrow I'm going to call you. We're going to have a talk. I love you, boy. Suki Woman is coming tomorrow. And she doesn't know what's coming. Don't blink tomorrow. Believe me, I put such a great talk. Suki Woman is coming for you now. Here's your fight fan host, Pete Hoffman. I love that open. Thank you so much to Doug Desher for creating that. That was fantastic. That gets my juices going. Welcome, everybody. It is the first episode of The Fight Fan with your host, Pete Hoffman. Follow me at the Hop WFAN. Welcome, everybody. If you love fights, if you love MMA, if you love boxing, if you love any type of fighting event, whether it's pro wrestling, this is the place to be. This is the place to be, folks, and and we're going to break it down each and every week, mostly MMA, a lot of MMA talk, that is for sure. Every week there's a different fight in the MMA world, pretty much. UFC is uh, now starting this week, tomorrow, they're starting three fights in a span of eight days. We got tomorrow, uh, Calvin Cater versus Max Holloway on ABC, then we have Neil Magny versus Michael Chiesa on Wednesday on ESPN, and then the big pay-per-view Next Saturday is Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier Part 2. In this podcast, what we will do is we will break down any news that comes our way. We'll recap it. We'll have a guest or two on. 
and then I'll put the picks at the end of the show. I, I pick the entire card, and I'll do a little uh, DraftKings card for you as well. This week, our guest, Washington Nationals catcher, World Series champ in 2019, all-star with the Cleveland Indians, Jan Gomes, big fight fan, huge fight fan, and we get into a little bit of everything. Now, Jan gave me a good hour of his time. I had to condense it a little bit for the podcast. I will release, however, the entire interview a little bit later on with everything because he gave me so much good stuff. Talked a lot about baseball, too. Talked, you know, If you're a Mets fan, he talked about Cookie Carrasco and Francisco Lindor coming to the Mets, so that's cool. When you got Jan Gomes giving me the time of day the way he was, it's tough not to not to talk to him for an hour. He's got so many good stories, so many cool things. We will get a decision hopefully by this weekend, by tomorrow, from Dana White, whether or not Khabib Nurmagomedov is hanging them up for good or if he is going to open that door one more time for the opportunity at 30 you know. Dana White said he's sitting down with them finally this weekend, this week. At some point in time, he's going to sit down. He said it's going to be a five-minute conversation. He said... It's going to be a yes or no answer. And then they're going to move on from there. Whether or not the Connor-Dustin fight is going to be for a belt, that's still undecided. Maybe the Khabib decision will clear that up more. We do not know, but we will find out very soon. Uh, we have a lot more things to get into. But first, let's get into Young Gomes. Let's bring him on. Again, Washington Nationals catcher, World Series champ with the Washington Nationals in 2019. All-star with the Cleveland Indians was with that World Series team that went to the World Series with the Cleveland Indians that lost the Chicago Cubs, played with Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco, and we'll get into all that stuff a little bit later. But here he is, Jan Gomes. Thank you so much for coming on the program. We really do appreciate it. Hey, it's an absolute honor. In a pandemic, in a 2020 that was just so up and down, a lot of sports were not around. The one consistent, besides like a month, was MMA in the UFC. Mm -hmm. Do you, as a baseball player, first of all, being in the MLB, did that help, you know, athletes of your stature feel more comfortable to, first of all, get back uh, on the field and feel more comfortable? Like, hey, you know, we can actually get back to normal because the UFC is doing it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But I don't think uh, comfortable is the exact word. I think confident. Is about because I think even even like all sports are still going. Guys were still like not extremely comfortable uh, traveling. Guys were not comfortable um, like in hotels. You know, you're you kind of walk in and you you're like, man, like do I spray my bed down or like you know some hotels had to like um, their controller like wrapped up in little plastic. So it's like the comfortable. It was hard to kind of get used to it, but uh, confident for sure it was. Once we started seeing MMA and the UFC world um, start having their, you know, pick it back up, and uh, which is phenomenal. That was uh, unbelievable to see, and uh, Dana did a phenomenal job getting those guys in. Uh, um, we knew that something was going to happen with us, and uh, we got a season in. It seemed like every sport got their season in. Uh, it was super competitive still, so uh, it was exciting. Yeah, you know, you're talking to somebody who the first like month of the pandemic, I was literally we I washed every grocery that came into the house. So I can understand going into <laughs> I, I was walking around with masks and, and gloves and everything. So I can't imagine traveling 
during this time. But, you know, that's what the UFC did, and that's what Dana did. They tried to find a, a place and locations that they could isolate their fighters. And listen, there were, there mm-hmm. were still people like Jacques Array, uh, one of his, I think he and his cornermen tested positive, so his fight got yeah. canceled early on. But for the most part, they did a really good job of, of handling the, these these fighters and isolating them. That's why they're going to Abu Dhabi this week coming up. They got some really huge fights, and they've done a good job. So for the most part, I think as a fan, we could say, wow, that was really cool. And Dana, for all the grief he gets about not paying his fighters, he still was able to put on a really good show for his fans. As much as the not paying the fighters and everything, there was a lot of people that weren't getting paid, you know, from our whole minor league system. Guys weren't getting paid. But Dana, I guess, somehow figured out a way to get guys paid and give guys jobs. You know, it was uh, it was super cool as a, as a fan getting to see some of these guys, like, still come out there and, and fight. And then, you know, the top level still being super competitive uh, from championship fights and everything. So it was, it was like you saw that everyone was on board. And, uh, you know, I have a, a few friends that are, are fighters and um, getting to see them. You know, one of them I get to see personally, like almost every day, uh, train. So it's really cool to, to see that these guys are still, you know, having a, a job. And um, But from, you know, seeing like as many fights as there have been and seeing how many guys have, you know, tested positive and, you know, uh, fortunate enough, no one has gotten crazy sick yet. Um, but um it's been awesome. I know the fans appreciate it. I know even the fighters appreciate it. So it's uh, it's cool to see that. The one thing I did notice, you talk about like you know, some of the guys that you're close with, the guys that you 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 get to see and you get to train with. I know that you've had a relationship with Stipe Miocic, and mm-hmm. the one thing that I could say from watching him fight, it's it's a the the one big difference during this pandemic is the size of the cage. And I know it's it's been talked about a, a numerous amount of times. But I feel like the smaller cage definitely added to the excitement of these fights because you put together Stipe and and Daniel Cormier in this small, confined space. You really can't sit back for a second. There's there's never going to be really this boring fight. Exactly. It's action-packed. I know in the beginning um, there was uh, rumors and everything that Stipe didn't want to do that, but they ended up fighting. It was an awesome fight. That was the best and that's another thing. A lot of guys were in this um, quarantine, and I, I think a lot of guys were able to focus on their training, focus on their nutrition. Because I mean, that was the best shape I've ever seen Stipe in. And I think you know, I don't want to you know say anything like he hasn't told me this, but I feel like that was done on purpose. He came in as the lightest he's ever fought at, um, and that was one of the best performances I've seen him have. The biggest question for Stipe, though. What do you think is going to be next? Because we, as fight fans, this is what we do. This is what we do with New York Radio to begin with when it comes down to to off-seasons and trade proposals. But in MMA, we get to be the matchmakers when Dana's sitting back and trying to figure out other things. You and I get to sit here and and matchmake. So who does Stipe fight? Is it Francis Ngannou who wants that rematch? Or is it a John Jones who's, who wants to move up in that heavyweight division? I feel like the way things are going, I feel like a lot of, like, if you want to take you know, take a step back and look at, you know, the lighter weight divisions. You know, you go from lightweight and even to, to middleweight now, watching Israel Adesanya take a step up. Um, and you've seen guys under, you know, from even Heron Cejudo and all these guys stepping up to fight the heavier guys and just get a title shot right away. Look, I 
totally get man. Like Francis Nagano, you know, he should be frustrated and all that. Like he he's you know made his way back and and all this, but I just feel like the John Jones fight is super exciting to me. You know, Stipe has fought Nagano, so he can't you can't take that away from him. And he, and, he, he, and, he, and he dominated him, too. Not, not yeah, for nothing, exactly. he did. You can't say, you can't say Stipe didn't give Nagano a shot. He did. They fought. Whatever you want to say, Nagano was, you know, whatever, inexperienced or, or whatever. He, they fought. Stipe, <laughs> I, I, I was at that fight and seeing Stipe afterwards, he was exhausted. You know, and I'm not saying this is no excuse that Stipe doesn't want to do that because Stipe will never turn down a fight. I just feel like... The John Jones fight is the more exciting fight for me. Again, we're being joined by Jan Gomes, catcher for the Washington Nationals. You know, another big thing that's going on right now is like the return of fans. When does that happen? And then we, as a fan of baseball too, watching the empty stadiums, like to me, just to have you guys back on the field, I was fine with it. I didn't care. I don't know how you feel about that, but but also in MMA, the crowd snap back. They they're supposedly there's going to be fans for the Conor McGregor Dustin Poirier fight uh, next Saturday in Abu Dhabi, which is exciting. And and I gotta tell you, some of these fights, it's the same way as watching baseball. It's like you want there to be fans. So like during the playoffs, you wanted fans there. It's like oh my goodness, I you miss that element. You as a ball player. Was that a huge factor this season? And then as an MMA fan, did you see it differently? Um, from the baseball side, it, I from the beginning of the year, or we were playing exhibition games, I didn't think it was going to play a huge factor. Uh, we're, we, were, we were playing a couple of exhibition games against the Phillies and, um, and the Orioles. And we were like, okay, we can, you know, we can do this. The music is going to be uh, fairly loud. We can, we can do this. <laughs> but then the... A regular season starts, so it's like, okay, strap it on, like, let's get your gear on, and like, now let's get pumped up. And, you know, I grab my gear, I have my routine, and I'm running out to the bullpen, and it's usually like my time, like, just to kind of get, get, like, you know, pumped up about it, and no fans. So I'm like, man, this is kind of weird, man. You know, like, and then as the season went on, it, I mean, it didn't play a factor to where like that's why like our season didn't go as planned, but it it played. It was just weird, man. I mean, we, we we go to play some of these teams, and you know the game starts and it's like crickets. Uh, you know you can't kind of get your you know get pumped up and everything. So I mean, it, it kind of gave me a, a sense of like appreciation, a more of an appreciation for fans. I've always appreciated the fans, whoever boos me or cheers for me, but it was uh, it definitely played a huge factor. And from the MMA side, um, it did two things. I'll tell you what, because I mean, I know from a fighter standpoint, you know that the fans and being there is kind of like the same thing for us. I think they're they enjoy it. You know, they try not to pay attention as much. You see a lot of guys like, you know, you go with headphones and you know, like super locked in and stuff. But then it was, like, super cool listening to it. You know, I turned the TV loud now, and then you, like, get to hear, like, uh, their corner guys, like, call shots and, and do all these things. So that was, like, a super cool experience, at least from an MMA uh, fan standpoint. I don't know if you've ever, like, sat cage side. I've sat, like, once or twice cage side. Mm-hmm. You don't really hear the coaches like that. You can't. You hear, oh, no. you hear the punches. You hear the shots. But imagine a baseball is just screaming across the room, throw it high and tight, and the guy knows it's coming. 
Like is in in mm-hmm. MMA, like you're hearing these coaches call out things and the guy's doing it. It's got to be either a distracting in some way or b it's like got to be disheartening. If you're the guy that's on the ground and getting ground and pound and you hear your, the other coach giving the guy directions and he's doing it to you, he's putting you in <laughs> chokes. That's got to be deflating. No, that, that 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 makes a ton of sense. That's why like guys uh. You know, I don't know if you you heard some of them. They like come up with like these crazy calls. They're saying all these crazy weird things, and you see a guy do a freaking uh, roundhouse kick or something like that. You know, so it's like it's it's cool. I get it, but you know, I, I've sat a couple times cage side, and uh, actually with Stepe's family, uh, his wife. And no, you, there's there's zero chance. There's no way he can hear anything. And I think it's the same way um, from our, from us. We um we don't hear fans as much as people think we do. You know what I mean? Like you're you're kind of locked in in the game. You're trying to like think things in your head of what's going on. And I think when you're in the cage, it's like literally like everything else. The lights are off, and you're just in there fighting. I talk to these guys all the time, and they seem like genuinely like really smart individuals and they go in there and they turn something off and they're like turning to killers. So like, look at Stipe. I mean, that's the, that's the guy right there. You talk to him, he's just the coolest dude. And all of a sudden the, the cage closes and, and something, some switch goes on and he's just he's a different human being, man. That's, I mean, that, you're, you're nailing it. I think uh, it's kind of funny when people try to, they tell me to like describe Stipe and I've, I've kind of seen both and it's kind of like, man, the guy's like, He's a prankster. The guy's a goofball. He is an awesome, like, I don't want to call him a, a, a soft, like, like, you know, like, he's, like, super cool. He's super genuine, like, straight, like, straight Cleveland. Let's be honest, like, straight Cleveland, blue-collar guy, just, like, super nice. But then, like, I've seen him, like, go in that walk. I've seen him talk about fighting. And he's like, nah, that guy, nah, he can't stop me. There's no way. I'm, you know, like, that's why, like, his interviews are super dry sometimes. Like, no, no, I'm going to beat him up, and I'm going to walk out with the belt. Like, He's just cold, dude. He's cold. <laughs> this is a new bit that I have. By the way, we're with, with Jan Gomes right now, Washington Nationals catcher. Uh, this is the first time I'm going to do it. It's called The Best There Was, The Best There Is, The Best There Ever Will Be. Who do you think the best there was as an MMA fighter who currently is the best, and then who is an up-and-comer that you really like that you, you've got your eyes on? So let me ask you, Jan Gomes, who is the best all-time fighter? For me, I mean, I started watching UFC way like back in like early like 90s, like early 93. So for me, what brought me in was like the Gracie family. You know, Royce Gracie. Um, Hicks and Gracie, for me, those are the guys that are, are like the best there. They're like just, I, I would even go just as far as just the straight Gracie family. Who is the best currently right now? Who is the best current fighter right now? So, current fighter, you're going to think I'm biased because uh, I, it's for me right now, the way there's a couple guys obviously, but for me right now, you like to think the heavyweight guy. So, Stipe for me is the best guy right now. I think he's solidified. As the greatest heavyweight of all time, I, I I don't necessarily know where John Jones is, but if if we're count, I mean, I I would put him up there as the best. I mean, the guy has done 
unbelievable things in this sport. I, I always love talking about his fights because he he would like almost match up to guys' level and beat them at their own game. Who is your up-and-comer in the sport? This is a little tougher because, listen, it could be a ranked guy that's 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 on the rise. It could be someone that no one's ever heard of. Who do you really like in MMA, in the UFC, that, that you think is someone that's going to be great? So I got, I, I got a couple guys. Two guys I feel like are in the MMA world or in the UFC or Bellator, AJ McKee, and then my... I think the guy that's going to make, it's going to give people a lot of trouble is uh, Zabit. Yeah, Zabit Magomed Sharapov. I think every time he fights, it's 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 pretty exciting. And I mean, I don't want to name like guys that are in like the top ten because I don't. I mean, even though Zabit is up there, but I don't. I, I just feel like he's a guy that's impressed me every time he fights. He makes fights exciting. Um, but then another guy. Uh, and he's he's not in the MMA world yet, but when he comes in, I'm going to be pumped. In a, a, a guy like Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel, I don't think I know him. Where's he from? He's a wrestler for Penn State. He's a guy that uh, he helped. He help, he's helping a lot of guys guys with training, like for wrestling. Uh, he's actually helping Jorge Mazadal a lot. Um, I know they've like done training together from you know looking at their Instagram and stuff like that, but he's a guy that was you know a, a, a big time. Um, he actually fought um, uh, what's the big jujitsu guy, um, Gordon Ryan. Hmm. He he uh, did a jujitsu thing with Gordon Ryan, and he was like picking up Ryan, picking him up and slamming him. But then Ryan's like, "Okay, I'm just gonna chuck you out." Or <laughs> really. That is the biggest debate in the MMA world is is the wrestler versus the jiu-jitsu expert. Like, that's what we want to see as a fan. I wanted to see a Khabib fight someone who can off his back beat Khabib. And that's where we're always at right now. So this guy, Bo Nickel, is at that level where he could take down a jiu-jitsu fighter with no problem. Uh, I think we can get into a, a quite a debate here on the, the wrestlers and jiu-jitsu guys. Um but I do think there's a a different type of specialty when guys are, are are born wrestlers. You know, like you you come up thinking, you know, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu is the strongest, but now you got a bunch of guys. And now it's starting to be recognized like the Russian wrestling. Right, right. I mean, these these guys, I mean, whatever, they're wrestling bears and doing all that. I don't think we have bears in our backyards to wrestle here. <laughs> You know, they just grab on, hold on. They don't. They don't put themselves in any kind of trouble. Like Khabib, man. Like that's why I, I wanted to like backtrack when you were saying the best there ever was. So I mean, I guess he's retired. So Khabib has got to be, you know, from right now, like a young, like from a number one guy out there from the best there ever was. If you want, because he's retired. Yeah. Well, you know, that's funny you say that because Dana says he ha- he's going to have a conversation with Khabib this weekend and to determine whether or not he's going to fight again. He said it's going to be a very quick conversation, but he's going to get a definitive answer. I think he's retired, but but Dana seems to be that he's okay. That he thinks he's he's confident that he'll get him to, to fight one more fight. I think Dana knows that money talks, right? Who wouldn't want to see? Khabib versus George. 
or Khabib versus Connor again, if Connor ends up, you know, beating Dustin Poirier or stuff like that. You know, like you're talking about, you know, the whole MMA world. People are coming back to, to watch Connor again. Yeah. So, I mean, who wouldn't want to see it, you know? But I just feel like the way Khabib put it to where it's about his family, that's where, you know, it's kind of hard to understand or grasp that maybe he, you know, it's more more than money because, I mean, he made a ton of money already. One thing for sure that we talked about is about Khabib, and we talked about how fantastic of a fighter he is. And one of your opponents in, in the baseball world, Josh Donaldson, went on record saying that he's a boring fighter. Is there a heavy MMA fan base in the baseball world? And if so, is that the same feeling that a lot of these guys are getting to, or is that just Josh Donaldson out of the box thinking? Um, I mean, I love Josh, man. I mean, we, we were teammates. Um, I've known Josh for a long time. But I just feel like that's the new age, and I don't know how long Josh has been a fan of, and I'm not saying. But I think that's just like the new age of fans. I think it's they they – I think it's like a gladiator sport, man. Somebody's two men enter, one man leaves, you know, straight down. <laughs> like, like, when you see Khabib doing the things that he's done, like he grabs onto you and guys try to get up and he's over there in their faces like he did with Michael Johnson, just like yelling at his face like, hey, quit. I mean, I guess watching someone dominate and, and win for so long, you know, you start not liking it, but... I, I don't know, man. I think, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. And I kind of joked around with you when that comment came out. I'm like, this is what's wrong with these now. Guys are make, like saying that Khabib is boring. I know, dude. You hit me up. Show every time this happens. He he trains with uh, or has trained, I know, with like Wonderboy, Stephen Thompson. Wonderboy. And mm-hmm. I, I I know he's he likes the striking a little bit more. But but what Khabib does, you're right. The fact that he sits there, he's a scary guy. He sits there and dominates his opponent, and he talks to him and makes him feel like I, I'd give up in a heartbeat. See, that's where I, I don't feel like Khabib is just like wrestle and hold on. Khabib. He drains people. He grabs onto you. He ground and pounds you, you know, and then you get to stand up. Look at him. He knocked down Connor. And then he just grabs onto you and just, like, makes you, like, not want to be there anymore. He takes you, you know, what they call, you know, like the deep waters or whatever. I mean, look at, you know, Gaethje and and Emporia. These are two phenomenal, like, best in the game right now. Within two rounds, he had them both gassed, I thought. You know what I mean? I, I do, and it's funny because the past three fights that Khabib had between Connor, Poye, and Gaethje, and I looked Connor. He let him, you know, go for go to the fourth round with him. He toyed with him a little bit. Poye had he stood the, up with him. He you did. Know, like he after a while, he's like, "I'm going to stand up with you." He did well because he felt he felt comfortable. He, dude, Khabib's in a different level. That's why, like, when someone dogs him in any way, it's like. Yes, he's really good at one certain thing, like wrestling and the ground and pound is really his thing, but he will strike. And and you saw that with Gaethje even. like He he struck with him for like a little bit, and it was like, you know what, that's that's ridiculous. I'm not going to do that with Gaethje. I'm going to take him down. I'm going to call it a night very soon. But Poye even too, like Poye had that submission on him, and after that it was like Khabib's like, you know what, I'm not going to mess around with my food. I'm just going to I'm just gonna kill it right now. I'm going to eat it, yeah. you know? And I feel like, yeah, I feel like those guys, and I could be totally wrong, and this is where maybe the inexperience of being in the ring or, or whatever it is. There's a couple guys in the sport 
that you can't tap out. You right. can't choke. I just feel like, you know, you put try to put Khabib in a, you know, you could be a, a five-stripe uh, black belt jiu-jitsu guy, and you put him in a chokehold, I feel like he's got like 20 different ways to get out of it. <laughs> you know, and even even when he was like, you know, it looked like, you know, the choke was in there, you could tell he was kind of like looking around like, all right, let me, let me, let me get, like you said, let me get out of here and not play around anymore. And then he just kind of like, and you saw, like, you saw Poirier's, you know, face. He's like, it, it was like right before he got choked, he kind of like is, you know, you know, Khabib is in there, like latched onto him. And then he kind of looks up for a second and he's like, I, I gave it all I had. <laughs> <laughs> he gave it everything. The strength too is another thing. He is just so strong on the ground. No, he he can overpower. It's like just different different things that he does. That you know, like there's been a couple of times where he kind of like backpacks a guy, and then he like wraps his arms like around their the back of their legs, and you know, because guys try to shake people off or something like that, and he's like, that was the first time I've ever seen things like that. And I'm like, well. You can't shake him off right now. <laughs> no, he's so precise on everything. It's it's ridiculous, and that's why you're right. He, if it's true, if he hung him up, he could arguably be the greatest of all time. I'm an Anderson Silva guy. I'm going to sit there. I don't care about steroid stuff, and I don't care about how poorly he's performed the past few fights. In his prime, I, I agree. Anderson Silva is up there for mm-hmm. the, the unbelievable what he did. The opponents he fought against. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was talk about a guy who liked to play with his food, though. That was the problem. That's where Chris Weidman, I'm not going to take that's anything away from him. I'm not going to mm-hmm. take anything away from him because he did clock him. But that's where I always said, I'm like, Anderson Silva's going to find himself in a bad situation because he's going to toy too much, and that's what happened. I figured, I figured you would be saying Chris Weidman, you know, the New York guy. You know, I love Chris Weidman, dude. I'm, I'm a Chris, I, 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 I am a Chris Weidman guy. And listen, that's a he's branched off with Stipe, too. You think about like the connections that the MMA world have. They're very small because I remember when Stipe and, and John Vellante were training, and Vellante's a big friend. Uh, you know, they, they he's tight with with Chris Weidman, Chris. so they got that Long Island connection. You know, it's it's all intertwined. It's, it's, it's funny how it all works and how guys like Cody Garbrandt are going to Mark Henry in Jersey mm-hmm. and Frankie Edgar's over there. Like, it's, very, it's a very yeah. cool, very small world, though. Yeah, and those are the guys, like, I uh, I hang with. Uh, I, uh, so, obviously, you know, like, I'm good friends with Stipe, and when I was in Cleveland, John Vellante would come in all the time, and we would all hang out, and then um, now being in uh, in DC and we get to play the Mets, I've I've had Chris Weidman at at some of our games. I there was one time he him and his family wore all Mets gear. <laughs> I was like, what? and they were sitting like in our family section. I'm like, come on, man, come so on, man, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> what are you doing in the family section with the Mets jerseys on? No, you can't do that. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll tell him you said that. I, I'm not gonna. Tell him you that. gotta but, respect. Nah, you gotta respect the people that give you the seats, or that you, you, you sit in the family. You got. You gotta respect the people. Come on. Listen, my my my, my son. I'll, to be honest, he, all he talks about is you all the time. Whenever I talk to him about MMA, he's like, "Did John text you? Did John do this?" He's a he's one of the biggest John Gomes fans out there. I gotta be well, honest. Well, I appreciate that, man. Tell him whenever uh, this year we're in New York, we got to see you guys out there. Awesome! I I definitely will tell him that for sure. He'll love that. Absolutely, man. Hey, hey, I'm gonna I'm a, a huge diehard MMA fan. I, I enjoy that as much as uh, much as anyone. Uh, this past year, last I guess year and a half has been the first time that I haven't gone to a UFC event. 
so kind of bummed about that. But uh, as much as everyone's talking about the you know McGregor Poirier fight, I'm I'm more excited about the Max Holloway and Calvin fight coming up. I think yeah. uh, those are some I'll talk about one of the best uh, there is. I think Max Holloway uh, is a tremendous guy. Um, so I'm excited about that fight coming up too. Do you think about Max Holloway how how long he's been in MMA in the UFC? He's only 29 years old, going against an older Calvin Cater, and and yeah. Cater's a beast, man. You think about the people he's knocked out recently. I mean, he's got Shane Burgos on his record. He's got hey, uh, he's no slouch, man. It's yeah, gonna be, it's gonna have to be. You know, from I, I'm a fan of both. Um, I've seen Calvin fight a bunch of times. I've seen Max fight. Um, I'm, I, I just I just really like Max for who he is. I think he's a freaking tremendous person. I'm a big fan of him. It's going to be an interesting fight because these are both like tremendous strikers, and Calvin's got some thunder in his hands. So um, I'm excited, man. I'm excited for that fight. And there's a couple cards in the um, in there too from uh, like Santiago, Ponzinibbio. And, yeah, yeah. I think I think that fight's going to be awesome too. And nobody knows Li Jing Lang. Lang. I know the guy just stands there and freaking. You know, lures you in, and then he's a murderer, bro. Good fight. And then you think about this: Carlos Condit, Matt Brown, two vets of the sport. They're they're on this card as well. I feel bad because I feel like you know one of them is on their way out, one way or the other, with the UFC. But those guys are are, are, are mainstays of the sport, and it's exciting to see them fight on ABC. It's a prime time. It's three o'clock. I was telling my father that the other day. He's like, three o'clock start? Is that crazy? It's it's nuts. It's awesome. It's going to go head to head with the NFL, but that's great for the UFC fans. Yeah, I mean, hey, from where UFC started, you know, me watching it on on VHS tapes, whatever, <laughs> however they're playing it now is great for me, man. I'm always gonna sit down and watch it. So, what had, what's your drink of choice? Do you have a drink of choice? You sitting there sipping the whiskey? Do you got a Do you got an IPA with you? What What's going on? Uh, I have both, but I, I do enjoy my whiskey. There you go, dude. I do enjoy my whiskey. Now you're gonna kill me on this because I don't know what type of whiskey drinker you are, and a lot of people are destroying me over this. But I discovered this thing called Screwball. I don't know if you've heard it. It's, oh, it's a it's a peanut butter whiskey. Now yeah. it's only if you really like peanut butter, but it's like a dessert type of whiskey, and it is phenomenal. It is well, if you, phenomenal. Hey, you know what? I, we'll give you some. Uh, whenever I see, we'll give you some uh, fruity drinks and stuff that that can hide the alcohol. <laughs> no, dude. Hey, listen, I, I'm not even like that. I'm not that. Th- listen, I'm I'm Elijah Craig. I like uh, Buffalo sure. Trace. I'm all I'm all like that. But if you want one at the end of the night, the little if you got a sweet tooth, that's the way to go. I'm yeah, just saying. Well, yeah, sure. No, I, I got you. I hear. You. I'm I'm just messing with you. <laughs> well, li- listen, li- listen, Jan. I appreciate the time, brother. I really do. And listen, let's catch up after these fights and let's see what's going on. And this pay per view coming up with Connor and Dustin is fantastic. But like. I don't know if you know, well, let's but let's do that next week. Then, hey, I'm I'm here. I'm we're just training, getting ready for baseball. So I'm I'm ready. I'm giving you a call whenever. Let's do it then, because we we got tons of stuff that we never even got into. There's there's a card <laughs> with three title fights on it that's bonkers yep. that we didn't even touch. So let let we'll nope. get into that next week. But listen, Jan, you have a great one again. Uh, thanks so much for joining me, and we'll catch you soon. All right. Absolutely, brother. Hey, good talking to you. Uh, excited to to get to hear these podcasts, man. Good luck to everything. I could have talked to Jan Gomes all day. I mean, there was so much stuff we didn't get to, and I, I we're going to have him back on again, too. We'll have him on next week, uh, whether it's to recap um, Wednesday's fight card. Maybe we'll do that. Who knows? But he will, he'll be back on very, very soon, and 
he's just the man. And, and thanks so much for the time. I mean, dude, I thought I was the uh, the vet of uh, around here with the UFC. I've been on the UFC since two thousand early two thousands. Guy was the, there from day one. UFC one. If you go back and watch those fights, I recommend you, if you have not done it, go to UFC Fight Pass. Um, you can obviously go to ESPN Plus if you have that and watch the, the the newest fights. But if you go to UFC Fight Pass, if you have that, you can go check every single one of these old fights, the ones we were referring to with the Hoist Gracies. And you just, you just see how crazy this sport was when it first started out. The fact that they allowed so many different things. Like, they didn't have weight classes. They didn't really have rules. They allowed groin shots. I mean, they, they, there were so many things that we had uh, that have changed over the over the past 25-plus years, and thank goodness they have because now the sport's that much more competitive. All right, let's get to the fight. So first up on the prelims, 12 o'clock on ESPN+, Plus, Jacob Kilburn, Austin Lingo, the featherweight division. Kilburn, good striker, but he is very long with his strikes, very telegraphic with his strikes. When he, he's not very good off the back, and I think Austin Lingo is a little bit better both ends and more compact of a fighter and will find a way to touch up Kilburn. And if the fight, and he can get the uh, fight to the ground, and if so, Lingo will win. I do think, though, that it will be a knockout. I think these guys will both be throwing, but I do like Austin Lingo in this fight. Second fight, women bantamweight division, Sarah Morris versus Vanessa Mello. Sarah Morris is, is more the vet. In, in this fight, uh, both 32 years old, but Morris has had more experience in the cage in the UFC, fought better uh, opponents, and I just think that she has more diversity in her game. She's very well off her back. She can submit her opponent. She can strike with the best of them too. Vanessa Mello is just very much a technical striker, and she really isn't very. She doesn't have that knockout power by any means. She's not good off her back whatsoever, and she puts herself in situations where I think Sarah Morris will take advantage. I do see some sort of submission for Sarah Morris. Next up, welterweight division, we have David Zawada versus Ramazin Amiv. Amiv is the favorite in this fight, but I do like David Zawada a lot. If the fight goes to the ground, that is going to be in Zawada's favor. Amiv, on the other hand, is, the, again, another technical striker. He's got the long reach, which he can touch up Zawada. He has the height advantage Zawada does. He might not have the reach, but he has the height. And he definitely will put himself in position to be the more exciting fighter and put himself in some dangerous positions where Amiv could pounce on. But because of that, I like Zawada on this fight. I do think that Zawada will take this fight. And I don't know if it's going to be a knockout, could be a submission, could be a decision, but I do like Zawada. I think he's the more exciting fighter of the two. Amiv is more technical where he could outpoint Zawada. That's where I would be concerned, but I'm going Zawada Next up, heavyweight fight, Carlos Felipe versus Justin Taffa. Both of them big boys. Taffa, he can get knocked out. Carlos Felipe, we haven't really seen that yet. He's, he does have one loss on the, on the card. It was a decision. But he can take a punch. That is for sure. And Taffa's going to be throwing hard and heavy. They're both big dudes. I do like Carlos Felipe in this fight. I think at the very least, it will go to a decision and Felipe will win. I don't think he'll win by knockout. But he he's a talker and he he's a gamer. Uh, Taffa, he does got the knockout power. We saw what he did versus one Adams. He can knock out his opponents. He's got elite striking power, but I do think that Felipe has a chin, which he will last the three rounds and will win the, the victory. So Carlos Felipe, I'm going. Then in another women's bantamweight clash, you have Yannan Wu, the, I guess you could say, veteran in the UFC compared to the Jocelyn Edwards, the newbie, the debut of Jocelyn Edwards. 
I don't like Yannan Wu. I don't like how she's performed so far in the UFC. She's really struggled. Um, she just has not performed well. Now, she's only 24 years old, sure, but Jocelyn Edwards seems to be explosive. Now, I'm not saying Jocelyn Edwards is the best fighter out there, but she's coming in as an underdog, and I think in her debut, she could be more explosive, and I think she does have um, some really good striking power, as does Wu, but because she has the longer reach, I think Edwards will have the better situation, and I do like Jocelyn Edwards in this to win in her debut. To headline the prelims, you have Phil Hawes versus Nazardine Navarro in the middleweight division. Phil Hawes has been on the radar of the UFC for quite some time. He was in the Ultimate Fighter. He lost to Andrew Sanchez. Then he was in a Dana White's contender fight, and he lost and got knocked out by Julian Marquez. And he just looked really bad. He looked tired. He looked. He didn't look good at all. However, in his last fight versus Jacob Malkin in October at UFC 254, he stepped in, and he was dominant. In 18 seconds, he knocked out Malkin super quick, looked super impressive, and that is the type of, that is the Phil Halls we've expected for quite some time. Again, if you know anything about him, his backstory, he's trained with John Jones for years. He, he was in that camp for quite some time, and he was a prospect that the UFC has been waiting on. Finally, good things come to those who wait or wait long enough to get into the UFC cage. If Hawes finishes it quick, he will win. If it takes, if it goes to deep waters, I'm, I'm reluctant to see how how he'll do in the third round again because that's where he usually fades. Now, his last two opportunities in the UFC, he did have a long time off in between fights. This fight is coming only months after his fight in October, so hopefully, because he is so uh, has fought so recently, his conditioning will be there. So I'm going Phil Hawes in this main fight of the prelim. All right, here we go. We are on to the main card on ABC starting at 3 o'clock. You have Ponelli Soriano versus Dusko Todorovic. I love Dusko Todorovic. They both are really good strikers. They both are exciting. Soriano is a southpaw, and he packs a punch. But Todorovic, he can keep you in a clinch. He can control the fight. He'll put you against the cage. Being the bigger fighter, the, the taller fighter, he's 6'1", he's 74 inches, whereas Soriano is 5'9", 72 and a half inch reach. I like Todorovic on this one. I think this is going to be explosive. I do see a knockout here, if anything. But uh, And if not, Todorovic either way can control this fight enough to win it and take it to the decision. But either way, Todorovic, whether it's knockout or decision, it's, it's Dushko all the way. Both undefeated fighters, so someone's going to get a loss on this one way or the other. In the middleweight division, we have Joaquin Buckley versus Alessio DeCirico. Now, Alessio DeCirico has been a big disappointment recently. Really hasn't impressed over the past few fights. Meanwhile, Joaquin Buckley, since his loss to Kevin Holland, has had back-to-back crazy knockout. His loss to Kevin Holland, Joaquin Buckley, didn't look good because of the reach advantage. Now, that's where Alessio DiCirico comes in. He is definitely the taller of the two, but the reach is in Buckley's favor. So can Buckley close the distance? Can Buckley connect? If he does, DiCirico is going down. Now, I love my Italian pride. I love the Italian stallion, but 
I like Joaquin Buckley in this by knockout, and that will be three fights in a row for Joaquin Buckley and will make a statement in the middleweight division. Next up, we have in the welterweight division, one that Jan spoke about, and it really is a, a fight to, to get excited over. The return of Santiago Ponzinibbio. He's been away for almost for over two years. Um, I think his last fight was October of 2018. Uh, went over Neil Magny. That guy has a loss since 2015 versus Lorenzo Larkin. Santiago Ponzinibbio is a well-versed fighter. The names that he's beaten up is impressive. But there is such a thing as ring rust. Some people deny it. Some people are very much into it. Dominic Cruz will always say it's deni- he denies ring rust. I'm not sure what we're going to see out of Ponzinibbio. It's interesting. I mean, he's going up against a very tough opponent, Ling Jing Leong. Ling Jing Leong is very underrated, but very scary on the feet. He, he can, has knockout power. They're both six foot. Ponzinibbio, a little bit longer, has an inch and a half reach on Jing Leong. But again, due to the fact that Lee has fought more recently and been more active, and Ponzinibbio has, has had that two-plus-year layoff, I like Jing Leong in this, and it's going to be a tight fight, but I do like Lee Jing Leong over Santiago Ponzinibbio in this fight, though I'm excited to see Ponzinibbio back. I don't think it'll be a knockout. I think it'll go uh, three rounds, but I do like Lee Jing Leong. Two fights left, one in the welterweight. The co-main event is the vet Carlos Condit versus the vet Matt Brown. I spoke about this with Jan a little bit, too. These two guys have been in the, uh, in the fighting business for quite some time. Carlos Condit uh, had an opportunity at the lightweight belt versus George St. Pierre in 2012. So that that's Carlos Condit in his prime, and he fell off. He's fallen off for quite some time. He's had a lot of losses under his belt recently. He did win his last fight, but wasn't very impressive. Um, he's 36 years old, still could potentially have some fights left in him, but this is his last fight on his contract in the UFC. He's going up against Matt Brown. Matt Brown is someone who goes out there and gives it his all. He's 40 years old. He has knocked out his... He has some vicious knockouts over the past uh, few years. You see his, his knockout over Diego Sanchez. He, when he hits, he hits hard. It's going to be an exciting fight. I think Matt Brown will bring it. I'm not sure if Carlos Condit can last. I don't see Carlos Condit finishing this fight. If the fight goes to the ground, I do see Carlos finding a way to scrape out a decision, but it won't be very exciting. If it stands, Brown is going to win by knockout, and that's where I think it will go. Ultimately, Matt Brown by KO over Carlos Condit, and because of that, I think that Carlos Condit will have to hang him up, at least in the UFC. I think it'll be over, and he'll, if anything, maybe he'll move on to a different, uh, maybe Bellator or PFL or something like that, but that might be the last we see of Carlos Condit in the UFC. Last but not least, the main event, the featherweight fight between Max Holloway, Calvin Cater. It's going to be an exciting fight. This fight could headline a pay-per-view. Now, it's not for a belt, but it could headline a pay-per-view. These two fighters are incredible. So the fact that you're getting it free on ABC, be very happy, folks. Max Holloway has lost last three out of four fights. He beat Frankie Edgar, but besides that, he lost to Dustin Poirier in a lightweight fight, and he lost back-to-back decisions versus Volkanovski. Now, there is a debate on Volkanovski winning that last fight. Could have gone either way, but it went Volkanovski's way, and that's what happens. Sometimes you don't leave it to the judges, and he did, and that's that's okay. It happens. Max is a big boy. He's 29 years old. He's a better sport, but he still is only 29 years old. Meanwhile, Calvin Cater, he is 32. He's been around. He packs 
a punch, which scares me versus Max because I don't know if he's fought anybody. Listen, Dustin Poirier hits hard, but Calvin Cater's knocked out guys like Jeremy Stevens, like Ricardo Lamas, like Shea Burgos. He packs a punch. He's a scary dude. Max is going to be have to be very creative in this fight, and the reach advantage goes for Calvin. They're both the same height, but this is, again, it's a, it's a bad spot for Max. So I want to go Max. I trust him, Max, because I don't think he's going to lose three in a row. Um, but Calvin's going to make it very, very good. I do, I'm do. i going to take Max. My heart says Max. My gut says Calvin, but my, my heart says Max. So I'm going with my heart right now. I'm going to openly admit that. Sometimes I do that. But I'm feeling I can't go against Max Holloway in this matchup. I think he's just too smart. I think he's got too much to prove. He wants to get back into the rankings, into the top of the rankings. He wants his belt back. I think he will prove why he was so good for so long, why he was undefeated for so long. Max Holloway will win by decision over Calvin Cater. Here is my uh, DraftKings, my fancy picks if you want them. Brown at $7,500. Li Jing Liang at $6,900. Joaquin Buckley $9,400. Dusko Tordovich at $8,500. Jocelyn Edwards at $8,700. And Austin Lingo $9,000. Still going to have about $900 to play with so you can mess around with that if you want. But that that's that's what I'm going with. Uh, so good luck with that. And that's a wrap, folks. Thank you very much for listening in to the first ever Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman. Uh, that is a wrap for the episode one. Follow me at the Hoff WFN. Give me a tweet. Let me know what you think. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much to Jan Gomes. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, I hope the picks are helpful. I hope that you guys just enjoy the day. En- enjoy the fights. You know, free fights. You got to sit down Saturday. Split screen. NFL on one TV. Fights on the other. It's going to be a good day. Again, I'm Pete Hoffman at the Hoff WFN on Twitter. I will see you guys next Friday with a new episode, but I will also be giving you guys reactions on Saturday and Wednesday after the fights are over. Again, we have Max Holloway, Calvin Cater tomorrow. Then we have Neil Magny and Michael Chiesa headlining on Wednesday. And, of course, Friday we will be breaking down and talking about the Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor 2 pay-per-view next Saturday. Again, thank you for listening. This is The Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.